What did Chase Glasser see in Caden Hauser's first start in Piscataway? Also, a few other mailbag questions like, what is the point of doing motion before snap? And then, yeah, well, we'll do it. We'll talk about this weekend's game a little bit more. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by Price Picks. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college, all one word, for a first deposit match up to $100. Spartan friends, Spartan family, hey, even you Wolverines out there, that's right, coming together as one big, happy, and loving family on this rivalry week, a game that we can't wait for. Catch the fever, Chase. It's going to be <laughs> anything can happen. Oh, boy. Any, whatever. Um, hey. How's it going over there, Chase? Oh, doing great. Illustrated.com. We doing, yeah, we doing okay over there? Okay. Doing great. Good. Doing great. Yeah. Because whether people know it or not from previous chats, or hey, right now you're incognito. You're wearing green and white right now. That's representing true. Spartans Illustrated. So people, people might not know this, but you are you are Michigan State fan's favorite Walmart Wolverine, who does have a degree, <laughs> a degree from Michigan, but we won't let, let that get in the way of conversation. <laughs> but like, how is it from your end, though, on like the Michigan side of things here? Like, are, are you revved up, amped up for this game? Or is this even weird for people in your neck of the woods here? I mean, it's weird, but I mean, I think there's a generational thing, right? So like my first memory of football, really, I vaguely remember the 2006 Michigan-Ohio State game. And then like, okay. consciousness really kicks in with App State. So that kind Perfect of timing. Like, <laughs> no, the uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, general um, time frame in which I've existed as a football fan. So it's yeah. like I, I think there's a generational divide with like my generation versus maybe my parents or people who saw. Because I think from like 1961, 69 until 2007, Michigan only lost a state like nine or ten times. Yeah. And then right. in my generation, it's been I mean, it's been substantially more than that within my lifetime alone. Right. So, yeah. Um, it's always a big deal for me. I think it's one of the very great rivalries in college football. Uh, but it's, it's got a kind of a weird vibe this year, just cause I don't think it's, it's necessarily the matchup we thought we were going to get, but, uh, it's here and, uh, yeah, I, I probably <laughs> hope to enjoy it. Um, but yeah. So we're, we're going to start talking with last week's game and kind of tie it yeah. into this upcoming game against Michigan here. And we're going to narrow it down to one player here, Caden Hauser. He made his first start at quarterback. In Piscataway here, and it was a cold, rainy day. And I don't know, for the people on YouTube, I don't know if you're seeing the team ticker sign behind me. That's right, new sponsor. But 93% chance of rain here. Like, we're going to see a lot of the same weather that we did last week. And let's just go right to the mailbag here. I put it up on the forums of SpartansIllustrated.com. Hey, Chase is going to hop on. Any questions you have? Dr. Green White writes in, what was Chase's impression of Caten Hauser in his first start and quote, real action? We, of course, talked about this after the game, just myself, a little bit with Maxwell earlier this week. I thought that it was everything you could expect out of Caten Hauser. You know, I think it was more good than bad, especially given the conditions with the weather, of course. And yes, there were a few dropped interceptions, but you know, again, young quarterback. This is a redshirt freshman. This isn't like a fifth year senior. We, we don't have the highest of expectations yet for him. He does have a very high ceiling, but that's just where I stood. Chase, very interested to see where you stand on Caden Hauser's first start. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, I, I, he was generally decisive, had a plan mm-hmm. with what yeah. he was going to do with the football, seemed to get through his reads fine, um, and, and made some really good throws. That first touchdown pass was excellent, um, you know, out of a three-man concept to the, I, I think, to the boundary, and to fit that in there. 
uh, you know, plus one to Montori Foster for holding on uh, through some pretty substantial contact. But um, that was a great throw. Uh, and then he had another touchdown pass, which was good. And he just put it where it needed to be. Um, generally, I, I think the offensive architecture was not anything that was overly stressful for him. I think they largely avoided the middle of the field, except for his two touchdown passes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he generally didn't put the ball in harm's way uh, and, and ran the ball quite a bit, too, which I know Kim was touted as a runner. Uh, but this was yeah. a, a very much a design part of his game. He had a touchdown rush against Washington. Um, he, he was active on the zone reads. Having an 11-on-11 run game, that's something I've always been a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, they just ran a straight inside zone for a third-and-two conversion in which it was just a quarterback keeper all the way, and then he scored on a draw and, and had two touchdown passes, uh, no picks. That, that's fantastic. Um, I have some questions about the arm strength. As okay. As there was a couple. I, I thought when he was throwing out routes, it floated a little bit. I noticed that too. Yeah. And I couldn't tell if that was like a rain thing. Like is the ball slick or whatever, or am I just trying to talk myself into that being a thing or what? But yeah, it it looked absolutely miserable in Piscataway. And um, I, I I guess we'll see this week. I will, if he floats an out route like that, you're going to have, you know, a bunch of people taking a picture on your sideline. Um, And and they're not dumb. They know that. And I got to think with someone of his profile, um, that that's probably not a huge concern. Uh, if it is, I mean, it'll become readily apparent if he doesn't have the arm to make those throws. Um, but that was really kind of the the main concern that I have. There's going to be picks. There's going to be misreads. There's going to be just kind of the general stuff that comes with having a young quarterback, and that's okay. Um, I'm not I'm not too terribly worried about that um, as far as what that means long term. I think mm-hmm. people can take solace in the fact that if things go wrong, okay, well, we're taking our lumps with a guy who is a redshirt freshman, not someone who's in their third or fourth year with the program. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be probably fine. I, I think he did everything that was asked of him reasonably well. And, and you can take solace in the fact that you've got a pretty good quarterback going forward. Is there anything that you think they could do this upcoming week, like as quick of a turnaround as one week to the next to help him a little bit, like a little more, play action or maybe even using his legs a little bit more and not just on that fourth and one where they didn't use their six foot four, 230 pound quarterback. I'm not going to do another <laughs> fourth and one play calling episode for the eighth straight week here. Sure. But like, do, do you think there's anything they could do just like that to help Kate and I coming up this weekend? I mean, the best thing, and, and we can get into this a little bit more when we talk about Michigan specifically, the best thing that you yeah. can do um, to build a quarterback's confidence is just give them easy throws. And mm-hmm. I think there will be times when those are there against Michigan, um, especially just kind of in the hook curl. So a little bit outside of each of the tight ends where a tight end would be on either side of the field. Um, Michigan has been a little leaky in zone coverage there. Um, okay. Now it's one of the more galling things I've ever seen in that those leaks are there because primarily Michigan is in every game so far. I, I said this, I think on the message boards, they've been practicing their Ohio state defense. Which right. is yeah. the benefit of not playing anybody until eventually. So um, that'll be there. I think there will be easy throws there. If you can scheme it up, I mean, Malik Carr, um, if, if he's able to, to be active um, the way he was in the early going against Iowa, where uh, Kim was really hitting him. I think he had six receptions before he got hurt where he would just run and sit down in the zone and just hit him, hit him, hit him, just build that rhythm. That's going to be good. Um, In the spring, Michigan State uh, showed a lot of running back receiving action out of the backfield. Um, If you can hit Michigan playing soft and just get free yards there. I mean, Tom Brady had a a substantial portion of his career when he didn't have an actionable running game, and he was just able to get 
little flare outs out of the backfield and really supplement the offense with that. So just easy, easy things like that. Obviously having a running game is going to be important. Um, so yeah, just things like that. And if they can limit turnovers, then that'd be great. There we go. And we're going to hit on two other mailbag questions that were dropped in the form here. One on the offensive line, because we hinted at this a little after the game, but it, it looked a little better, but were our eyes yeah. deceiving us? Let's get Chase's uh, expert opinion on this. And then also preset motion, all that good stuff at first. Chase, I'm sorry I need to send you to the bench over here because I need to talk to people's ears off about Prize Picks, the best daily fantasy sports app out there. Gang, look, you've heard me talk about this time and time again when it comes to Prize Picks. They truly enhance all the game day experiences, even for the game days that you don't really care about, like Thursday night football. Saints Jaguars. I'm sorry. I have a really hard time getting out of bed to watch that game. However, with their daily fantasy games, that's right. It's, it's going to keep you glued to the couch and glued to the game as well. Here's what I have on my prize picks card for Thursday night football. Taysom Hill over 0.5 passing yards. Brandon McManus more than one and a half field goals. Derek Carr over a half interception. And Lou Headley less than four and a half punts. That's $5 to win $50 on prize picks. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead up to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value and also hey to make it easy on your deposits as well they offer apple pay for quick and easy deposits into your account for this football season and speaking of easy deposits well what makes it easier than just more money into your account go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars that's right i'll say that again go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars on prizepicks.com it's price picks daily fantasy sports made easy and also if you're watching on youtube you might know the sign behind me. And if you're on the podcast, well, I'm going to explain it to you. You guys have all seen the countdown to game day signs, right? They're hanging up in sports bars, your basement, whatever. It's that sign, but juiced up with way more steroids. I just mentioned earlier this show. This shows the weather forecast for this weekend's game. Right behind me right now, it's showing U.S. women's soccer stats. They got stats, projections, schedules, rankings for all the sports Michigan State is involved in. And my God, that sounds like a lot going on. But it's so easy to set up. I, I am a caveman when it comes to technology. It took me maybe a minute or two to set up. So easy. And best of all, guys, hardly anyone has these yet. This is a new company at TeamTicker.com. You will be one of the first state fans to have this up in your man cave, your bar, your garage, wherever the heck you want to set this thing. And it's coming at a great time for the holiday season. Go to teamticker.com and use my promo code locked on, and that's going to get you $50 off of your sign up until the end of October. Again, Team Ticker is the one of a kind sports sign from now until the end of October. If you go to teamticker.com and use that promo code locked on, all one word, you're going to receive $50 off your Team Ticker purchase. Again, that is teamticker.com. And let's drag Chase Glass or Spartans Illustrated back on to the show here. And let's talk about that offensive line, a, a group that we've been very critical of so far this season, more so for the run game than the pass protection. But I digress. In yeah. the end, a little, little underwhelmed with them. Now another question comes from the forum here. Was it my imagination or was MSU's offensive line better against Rutgers, at least in the first half? Do you see a little bit of growth there from our Spartans over there? Yes, yeah, certainly. 
Certainly. Uh, I think Nathan Carter uh, did fine. Um, mm-hmm. Not quite the productive day I, I'm sure he was looking for, but there was avenues there where I think the run, run was blocked up decently well against a pretty salty defensive front. Uh, and then in pass pro, the biggest thing that you can do for a young quarterback on the yeah. offensive line is just protect them. And they largely did. And that's something that this offensive line is graded out reasonably well at going back to last year, even when it was, I think, a little bit worse of an offensive line. I think PFF would agree with me. Yeah. Um that, that they were still solid in pass pro and, and that's continued. I think you're seeing some of that cohesiveness and I, some of the substitution patterns I thought were a little interesting. Um, I think at, you know, by week seven, just take your, your, your best five yeah. and you gotta stick with them a little bit. But at the same time, I think that rotation was something that's really benefited Michigan state in the past in 2021, the ability to just continually rotate fresh offensive linemen and coach up mm-hmm. people. Uh, when you were rotating them out was a huge reason why MSU was able to get the success that they, that they did. And, and particularly that played a huge um, role in, in their win over Michigan because they were able to keep them pinned on the field while still rotating. And then Michigan would try to match that rotation and Michigan state was just better at it. And, and that was a, a huge factor there. So there's a time and a place for it, but I think when you're really kind of ripped down to the studs, you don't have a coach. Um, you, you have this kind of turmoil run with your best five. Uh, but yeah, I think it's safe to say that they were a little bit better. And let's go, you know, sticking to the offensive side here with another mailbag question. This is from MSU underscore Hutch at SpartansIllustrated.com. Point blank, Chase, can you discuss the pros and cons of using motion? Something that I'm not sure Michigan State uses enough of, but I, who cares about my opinion? Just what, what does it give an offense here before the mm-hmm. snap begins? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's there's pre-snap motion, and then there's there's motion that will flow into something post-snap. So with pre-snap yeah. motion, I think the the biggest advantage of it is that it, you can identify what the defense is in. Uh, normally, you're gonna have you're gonna motion either a tight end, but more often a slot receiver from one side of the formation to the other. And if somebody goes with them, then you're gonna know okay they're in man at least underneath. If you see the safety is split, okay, I'm thinking cover two, cover four, maybe like mm-hmm. a cover six. Um, and if you see maybe one safety rotate down and one safety rotate up, you're thinking, okay, maybe they're in cover one or cover three. So it helps you, um, identify kind of what the the coverage is, uh, and and give you a little bit of a pre-snap read on, on what that looks like, uh, post-snap if you, so Michigan state did this against Iowa, uh, where they ran, I think Tyrell Henry from the boundary in an orbit motion. So coming and then going behind the quarterback and then out into the opposite flat and, when he was just off the quarterback's uh, backside hip, ball was snapped, and they were able to get the ball to him in stride uh, to a place on the field where Iowa was still rotating their safeties over. So for that moment in time, Michigan State had a numbers advantage. So mm-hmm. that's the the benefit of it post-snap is that you can get a numbers advantage. You can try to it, maybe get somebody in space. That's a big thing, taking someone from the boundary to the field. So those are some of the advantages as far as the cons. Um, you got to make sure you do it right because you see about once every season, someone's coming in motion and the center snaps the ball right into them. And it's a huge fiasco. Without fail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you got to make sure you're doing it right. Um, you have to make sure if your team is disorganized, you need to make sure you don't have too many people in the backfield. Um, you know, you have to make sure that you don't have too many in motion. So there's some organizational problems that can arise if you don't do it right. Um, but largely I'd say the, the benefits largely outweigh the negatives. 
And it's not like arena football where you could just have like a straight line head start. But I mean, famously, like I'm using the you know most popular example here. We've seen Tyreek Hill, you know, just uh, motion across the line, but that is used as a slingshot to give him a running mm-hmm. start, so to speak, you know, to yeah. develop plays too. So then, see that up and down. You can also do what Ohio State does. They call it zipper motion or return motion where someone like a, a, a wide out split wide motions into the slot and then on the snap zips yeah. into the open space that they've already vacated. They use yeah. that in the low red zone a lot. That's a that that's a fun one too. That's a good rendition of it. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about this game, I guess, Chase, um, because it's it's happening. It's inevitable, just like many mm-hmm. things in life. Um, look, Michigan has had, and I'm going to use this half joke, half serious. You, they've had a seven week preseason coming up this mm-hmm. year. Like, I mean, to this game, how much have you like really been able to take away, or is there something that you are looking for specifically in this game when it comes to like Michigan's? This personnel against Michigan State's this personnel. Like, is, is there anything that's arching the eyebrow for you when it comes to this weekend, or is it just such a mismatch where you're like, yeah, this is just another preseason game? I mean, hmm. well, I think yeah. that that um, the the big key here is, I mean, it's no secret. Michigan is one of the very best teams in the country. Um, I yeah. think what, what makes them the most impressive is is the diversity of run concepts that they use. Okay. I mean, they run inside zone, they run duo where they're just going to blast your defensive tackles back and then let the running back pick a hole. They're going to run split zone, which Michigan state runs where you have a, a tight end kicking out the backside. Um, and then as a counter to that, they run uh, pin and pull where it, it looks a lot like power. They, they run, they're probably one of the best teams in the country at running power. Um, they run counter a lot. And then last week they, they threw in um, like a crack sweep. Um, they, they started running wine back, a design cutback that, that uh, Michigan state used a lot with Kenneth Walker. Um, they've run outside zone a little bit uh, and then down G just a quick hit short pull of a guard on the play side. So that, I mean, they will, will just mess with you all sorts of ways with a really big physical offensive line and, and a couple very efficient, if not overly explosive backs. Um, and uh, you know, they have been extremely efficient, but if you look at the game last year, 29 to seven, that's not an overwhelming blowout. Right. And why was that? Well, right. Had to kick, I think, five field goals. Yeah, that's the matchup. It's it's can Michigan State hold them in the red zone, um, it, to to field goals? I because last year I think Michigan scored out of on seven of nine offensive possessions. So you're going to want to see um, Michigan State bow up in the red zone and try to force those field goals. And then offensively, it gets really tricky. I do think you know you can hit some spots underneath the zone. Um, you may be able to get some 50-50 balls, especially on a, a second corner, Josh Wallace. Uh, but Michigan has extremely good safeties, and two of their three main uh, underneath secondary players are excellent with Mike Sanders still and, and Will Johnson. I mean, yeah. Will Johnson pretty much erased Jalen Naylor as a true freshman. Um, and Keon Coleman is is no longer here, and he was most of Michigan's Michigan State's offense last year until a safety right. guy for him. So offensively, it, it becomes difficult to see uh, – them scoring more than probably 17 points, uh, which would be by some margin, the most points scored on, on Michigan so far this year. But uh, yeah. there is an opponent caveat on that too. I mean, it, it, they're a very good team. They're a very disciplined team, but there is an opponent caveat there because they haven't played anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fully expect this to be a game, at least for the first quarter, first half, if, if Michigan jumps up 21, nothing, then it, it's going to get really ugly. But um, yeah. I, I just, I, I would imagine that they're going to get Michigan state's best shot here um so that's i mean 
it, it's a tall task, but it, it, you got to limit the bleeding. Uh, they're going to move the ball. Um, if you can create some turnovers, obviously that's, that's always hugely important. Um, yeah. All the better, but um, you know, it's, it's, I put a post up, I think it's in my column about throwing the records out. And I don't really agree with that notion. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think it devalues a lot of what Michigan state accomplished in, in the height of the Mark D'Antonio era, where if you go back and look at upsets in this rivalry based on uh, who was the better team after the season, right? Not, not taking away your preseason biases of, of, yeah, right. Um, you know, uh, uh, this team's overrated, which which happens quite quite frequently with Michigan, and especially in the in the recent past. Um, the the 2001 game stands out as an upset, um, and then the 2021 game is an upset, but only because Michigan was able to go and beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten. Those teams were yeah. fairly evenly matched in a way that they aren't this year. The better team wins this game, and and the reason Michigan State dominated the rivalry and and from the, the, that like seven year, eight year period was not because necessarily they cared more though. I think they did or because um, they just wanted it more. It was because they had excellent, excellent, excellent football teams and they had an excellent football team in 2021, that one. And, and in 1990, even that, that number one versus no one, that was yeah. a team that wound up co-big 10 champions. Like that was a good Michigan state team. Right. So I mean, I think the better team wins this game. And I think there's not a whole lot of ambiguity about, who's the better team this year, who's the more complete team. And and I, I don't really see a scenario in which Michigan state loses, but, or in which Michigan state wins. I was going to say, all right, let's, now we're talking here. Nice. Uh, but I do think that, that it could be a more competitive game, especially for large swaths of it than, than some believe. Um, okay. Okay. So. You know, as we get, as we get further in the week, you know, we're chipping away at positive notes like that. Like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> the first half and yeah you know by the time that we record friday's episode it'll be here's 15 reasons why michigan state's gonna right. win on Saturday. Yeah. So, you know how it goes here well, as well, um, as well, paul sorry. fanson had a piece up on spartans illustrated about reasons for optimism and uh you know that's that's i, I think a, a worthy read um this mm-hmm. is you never know but you kind of do yeah yeah uh we will be talking more about this game because why not uh tis the season is rivalry week but first i'm sorry chase i gotta send you to the bench again because i need to talk to people's ears off about jace medical that's right we're going chase to jace right here jace medical j-a-s-e wants to hook you up with the jace case they want to make sure it is in your house especially during all these uncertain times you never know when disaster is going to strike you never know when the supply chain is going to crap out again they want to set you up with the jace case and what that is is five life-saving antibiotics that you can stash in your house your rv your boat your car hey if you're going to travel abroad or even if you're just going to travel to the other side of the state pack the jace case with you because who wants to mess around with finding a doctor that you can use your health insurance on and then understand it'd be a whole to do with the jace case it makes it super duper easy gang they are also continually working on expanding their medication offerings in their most recent efforts they added ivermectin as an as an option in the jace case as well and hey you know tis the season too it is the holiday season buy a gift card for the family or the loved ones so they can get a jace case of their own now how to get the jace case and also save on it well go to jacemedical.com and enter promo code locked on all one word at checkout for a 20 dollars discount on your order again that's jacemedical.com and enter promo code locked on at checkout for a 20 dollars discount on your order that is promo code locked on at j-a-s-e medical dot com and let's get chase back to the stage here that's right um here's not an x's and o's question at all or maybe it is 
I'll let you decide this, but I've been, I've been wondering this myself over here in the Michigan State side of things is what would the lead in the fourth quarter have to be for me to think that Michigan State is going to win this game? Because unfortunately, we just saw <laughs> an 18-point lead against Rutgers melt away. Uh, Chase, I'm, I'm starting to think it has to be like a 35-point lead to start the fourth <laughs> quarter for, for my mind to even enter the realm of thinking that they could pull this win off but like what would the fourth quarter have to start with for you to start getting a little nervous uh over there in michigan land i mean realistically if if michigan state has has a two possession lead um we haven't seen michigan play from behind that much that's a good point yeah okay. really two seasons uh, the two yeah. full seasons so and the only time they really did uh, was against TCU and and they couldn't dig out of that hole, right? So yeah. I mean, if if Michigan goes down twenty one to six again, that that may well happen. Um, now you're going to have to have, you're going to if that happens, that means Michigan State's hitting explosives, um, yeah. which would be something that would surprise me. But uh, it, it would happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you know, weird things have happened. Weird things would happen. Uh, kicking game, um, special teams, things like that. I I would also be equally surprised if Michigan State came out of a game with a decided special teams advantage. Um, but uh, things have certainly happened in this rivalry that, that need no uh, discussion. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it would probably have to be a, at least a couple possession lead uh, with, you know, it, the, the vibes have to be good because it, it can't oh, yeah. in, in 2017. I remember Michigan had like a 2014 lead against Ohio state and wound up losing by like 13. It's like, gotcha. because you, they weren't moving the ball and you could kind of tell the dam was going to break unless they got a turnover. I think it would probably be a similar scenario in which you'd, you'd have to have something that's really working, whether it's in the run game, the pass game, or, or the defense is just turning them over left and right. So before this game kicks off on Saturday on FanDuel, I'm going to make my annual uh, All My Nightmares Are Coming True bet, which <laughs> will include, you know, Michigan covering the spread. Uh, it'll include a few other props. And one prop that, like, I'm wondering where I should put my money to is, do I want to bet money on Blake Corum three-plus touchdowns or J.J. McCarthy four-plus touchdowns? Because I got a feeling – one or the other is going to start their Heisman campaign, or at least they're going to attempt to start their Heisman campaign in this game. What do you think is a better bet? Blake Corm three plus touchdowns or JJ McCarthy four plus touchdowns. I'm not saying like that's mm -hmm. likely to happen, but again, this is my, all my nightmares are coming true bet. I want to preface I, it with that. If I have to watch my nightmares on full chase, I want to be paid for it. That That's the reasoning behind this. I don't yeah. want it to happen. Yeah, I'd go with Blake Corm uh, just because okay. the number of JJ McCarthy four plus touchdown passing games are, are, is low um yeah. one or two maybe I, it's not right if that yeah. right so over. i mean i i would go uh 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 quorum just because he's used so much especially down on the goal line the guy who's kind of michigan's moose back hasn't been playing as much i think he's got a dinged up hand so gotcha. they use quorum a lot in that regard the offense still runs through him um so yeah i i'd, I'd probably hit the quorum one and it's interesting i've seen discourse on i think two different things that worth mention real quick and the first is um michigan's gonna leave in their people and run up the score it's possible yeah. but i mean the starters have not played a fourth quarter so far this year i think quorum has like four carries in the fourth quarter and it was against Interesting. Okay. um the times where harbaugh has really run up the score um on teams uh 2016 rutgers when when he got in a very public um dispute with chris ash over recruiting which was very funny yeah. Uh, 2016 against DJ Durkin, I think that was 59 to three because of, um, 
rumored malfeasance and Durkin basically not game planning for Ohio State the year before because he already had accepted the Maryland job. Ah, gotcha. And then um, left the starters in late against Michigan State in 2019. After There was a, a lot of hijinks that game with taunting on the sideline uh, that Michigan did, a retaliatory uh, cheap shot by Jake Panashuk, and then they ran a kind of a, a trick play after that. I, I would not be surprised if, you know, if things go the way that Michigan wants them to, I don't think – Corum's going to be playing a whole lot in the fourth quarter, um, which may constrain that that third that that third touchdown a bit. But uh, I I would still probably go with Corum. And then the second thing is there's just kind of been a discourse of, well, you need to uh, why don't we fire somebody? Fire Ross Ells, fire Harlan Barnett. At this point, yeah, what are you doing? What does that mean in principle, right? So so you're mad and you want Ross Ells fired. I get it, but right. who are you replacing him with? Is a, a grad assistant? Right. Like, I don't know if that's what you want. Well, we need to fire Harlan Barnett and put in who I just I understand the frustration. Believe me, I do. But I don't think that there's a fix this season and continuity, you know, and and discretion is the better part of valor there. So I'm right with you as well, because, yeah, I I want Rossell's on the next rocket to the moon. I, I, I can't say that, hey, he needs to be fired right now. And I know that goes against of like what a lot of state fans are saying, because just like you said, like who's going to replace him? And also, like, haven't these kids gone through enough with like their head coach getting mm-hmm. axed and then like all the drama the last few weeks? Like, I don't know. The last thing I want to put on these kids now yeah. is another seismic shift of like replacing the coach. Look, is he a good coach? No, no. of course he's not. <laughs> but like, he is still a figure in these kids' lives. And then you yeah. just take him away in the middle of the season. Like, hey, what if, God forbid, they actually like him for the person he is? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is the point in the season where we're at right now where even that is something you might want to keep around here in East Lansing. I mean, that's how sad mm-hmm. times are where we're, yeah. you know, maybe just keeping guys around because, hey, they're good people to have in a locker room. But like, whatever. It's, uh, oh, Chase, would you look at the? Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Say, before we get out of here, do we want to uh, touch on Paul's question? I was just going to say another yeah. question just came yeah. across the feed here. Why would you look at that, Chase? And he writes, is the inclination to be a Michigan fan more nature or more nurture? In other words, is it a failing of parenting or some other environmental factor, like a blow to the head as a young child? <laughs> or is it more of a genetic abnormality, such as narcissistic personality disorder, but on the scale of an entire fan base? Wow, that's a good X's and O's question right there. Indeed. That's Let's break Dang this down, question. Chase. Dang <laughs> My my peace offering is behind me. That's uh, Chrysler Center. Uh, my junior year, Michigan played Michigan State in a in the basketball game early 2019. It was the first of three matchups, all of which Michigan lost. Um, and uh, uh, so I do get to be reminded of that every day. But you can okay. see if you zoom in, there's me and a couple of my friends in the student section with a banana costume on, uh, in which a, a picture of me went semi-viral wearing a banana costume, eating a banana in the dining hall after the loss. So oh, you know, I, I, uh, uh, the rivalry is very much alive. I, I can't speak for other people. I know for me, um, I think it kind of depends on your familial particularities. So my, my grandfather went to Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. was very much raised kind of in that environment of being a Michigan fan. But I, on my uh, paternal side, almost everybody, I think three of my uncles and two of my aunts, they all went to Michigan State. Um, gotcha. and so so it, it, like a lot of families, I think there's, there's a, a split there. I do think as far as the element of the fan base, um, I, you know, there's a lot made of, and, and this is really only talking about the people who, who went to both schools, like denigrating the academics or whatever, because I think sure. we're truly lucky in that, like, we do have two world-class universities, um, in the state. 
Um, and I mean, yes, like I know uh, like, oh, well, Michigan's acceptance rate is like 18 percent and Michigan states is like 70 something or whatever. But like I think there's a broader context there in a way that is actually deleterious for the rivalry because Michigan takes a lot more out of state kids than Michigan State does. And yeah. that is harmful, I think, to the rivalry because you go to Michigan State, they get it. Like, like they understand that rivalry. And if you go to Michigan, the kids who are from Michigan, which, you know, me and and Mm -hmm. quite a few others, they get it, but um, you don't have that kind of full buy-in. And I think it's to the detriment. Um, Now, Paul, as for the narcissistic personality disorder, I I have (laughs) this. Oh, no, here we go. (laughs) Um, This is especially for Paul. I don't, I don't pull this out often, but I do sometimes. The uh, arrogant Michigan alumni shirt. Um, that's that's my my contribution for the rivalry week. Um, it is a thing, like, I, I, and I think you see it in the fight song, the leaders and best things like that. Like there is that, oh, yeah. and it's not good because you know I mean sometimes it's good and it's very funny and things like that. But um, I get I get it. Like I, I get why people hate us. I, I I get it. It makes sense. I you, you can't have this self-aggrandizing you know kind of entire ethos and then not not get a you know, have people relish when you, when you really step in it, which we, we do pretty often. Sure. Um, but I mean, it's, uh, it, they're two great schools. It's a great rivalry. Um, I think it's, it's criminally underappreciated nationally as far as what, yeah. what this rivalry is and what it means just because I, I mean, Michigan, Ohio state. Yeah. That's a great rivalry. And, and I've always said, and people from my parents' generation would not agree with me, but I guarantee you, if you're a Michigan fan, Michigan alum of my generation, you do. Um, you want to beat Ohio State more because of the stakes and what's that and what that means, but you hate losing to Michigan State more. Yeah, uh, and and because it it it, it you live it every day. Um, and it, this rivalry, I think, there's so much more. It's not just oh, Michigan was good in the late '60s, and so is Michigan State, and now we have a rivalry 70 years later. This is existential, where Michigan tried to kill Michigan State in the cradle and, and right. as an institution, yeah. and then tried to stop them from joining the Big Ten. And, and uh, then you have the 1973 vote and all of the alleged things that happened with that and everything. So it's like, it's much more existential. And, and that's what makes it a great rivalry because it, it truly matters. And uh, if you're, if you're in the state, you live it every day and that's what makes it so fun. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a great time. It's a fun week every week. It's, it's certainly been more fun for me personally this past year than in, in other years. Uh, Cause I've yeah. certainly been on the other side of just kind of, you know, slow walking to your own execution, but it's, it's the nature of the thing. And uh, it, it's a fun week and, and it'll be hopefully a good environment on Saturday. I think I also think, too, so much of the rhetoric around this on the Internet goes out the window when you go to a, a tailgate in Ann Arbor. or in oh, Of course. And yeah. it's, it's everybody intermingling. It's, right. you know, it's just it's, it's great. And yeah. that's good. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and that's what it's supposed to be, because this is a game and it's supposed to be fun. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. Certainly I'll be there and. Uh, I, I'm imagining I'll probably have a more pleasant time than uh, me sleeping in my car in the parking garage in, in uh, over there. And I think Grand River after the 21 game, which was certainly a low point. So, you know, it, it ebbs and it's, and it flows, but it'll be a good time. You got to get broken down to build yourself up. Um, no, you're banging on with the tailgate. So like, there's only one instance I can remember where a guy was being a little belligerent, but he was roughly 35 beers deep, I think. So it's like, <laughs> ah, we all have bad days. But no, for the most that'll part, happen. like it, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, hoops amongst us. Um, yeah, so uh, it's it's normally a pleasant experience. Like, that's look, I, no, no, no one's in their backyard practicing how to throw a battery right now. Actually, like that's not that's not actually a thing that's happening, uh, regardless of how many times people want to scream. But yeah, um. 
No, this is great. And like Paul's got, got a great question there. I would just love to pile on with the trash talking. Like, look, I've trash talked about Michigan during horrible weeks, you know, like during really bad MSU rivalry weeks. But like, dude, I, my soul is at the 50 yard line of SHI Stadium. I, I've got nothing this week, man. <laughs> I just look, I, I bleed green. I love these guys. I will watch every game, every play, but like I, I just well, yeah. my balloon popped last Saturday, man. I, I got nothing to say as far as like trash talk goes. I feel like I'm letting people down because that's that's what I'm known for time to time again here, but I just got I got nothing. <laughs> you know, it's just it's one of those things where it's you can't only be a fan when it's fun, right? So, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I I remember. Oh God, I think it the the discourse around one of Paul's columns uh, about the betting line before the 2020 game, in which Michigan was like you know 24 point favorites and and won. Yeah. Um, it was hilarious because everybody in the Michigan sphere was just so wrong. It's like you know stuff does happen and and it's it's fun yeah. and that's why you watch because. When things do happen, you want to be there and you want to be a part of it. And, and they're your guys and you ride and you ride for your guys, whether it's, you know, a, a three and nine season or an 11 and two season. And it's just it's fun. You enjoy it and uh, you keep it in perspective and have a good time. And we're here through the thick and the thin. Uh, Chase, this is awesome. Great shirt. I've never seen that shirt. That, that's a fantastic shirt. For those listening on the podcast, he already said it, but it just says Arrogant Michigan Alumni, which well, <laughs> do they sell at the end then? Where, where's that sold at? I got no, I, uh, I'd never seen it before, but it was, you know, just a, a, a guy who had a tent out uh, outside of the, the union on State Street in like week one. And I was walking okay. and I saw it and I was like, I've never seen that before. And, and you know, paid entirely too much for it. And, and now I have sure. a green printed shirt that'll fall apart in about two washes, but I'll, I'll try to get my money's worth out of it. Hey, it is what it is. No, I got to get like an MSU version of that. I don't know what it wouldn't be arrogant. What would it be like? I don't know. Degenerate MSU alumni or <laughs> I don't know. Something along the lines of that. Uh, whatever. <laughs> once, once someone makes that shirt. Yeah. Um, just send me the information. I'll send you the money ASAP. But no, Chase, this is great. We'll touch base next week. If I'm still here, if, I, if I'm still you know, not just a complete and utter husk of a man. But uh, hey, until then, love every single one of you, even you, Chase, over there in Ann Arbor. That's right. But until next time, gang, hey, enjoy the rest of your day. Go Green.